0: welcome or welcome back to lift you up inspiring health stories i'm your host tamika bickham i'm the founder and chief storyteller of tv media group but for the purpose of this podcast i am your health and happiness matchmaker now before i introduce you to today's guest you know what i'm gonna ask you to do hit subscribe right there on youtube turn on those notifications and connect with me on linkedin i'd love to stay connected with you Now today you are going to meet Isaac and Shamika Collins. They are a really cool couple. I enjoyed our conversation. Not only are they married, have a practice together where they are mental health counselors, but they also do sessions with married couples together. I found that really interesting. So we're diving into that a little bit. Also talking about why representation matters in mental health. And also I'm asking the question, Does everyone need healing? Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. All right, well, today I am so excited to meet for the first time and introduce you all to Isaac and Shamika Collins, who are the co-owners of Collins & Collins Clinical Services. Hello, and nice to meet you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet
1: you as well. Thank you for having us.
0: No, thank you for, for reaching out another LinkedIn connection. So I love that. A lot of the guests on this show, we've connected organically on LinkedIn and just continued to, to learn more about each other and what we do and have a fun conversation on this show. So thanks for being here. And I know you both are couples counselors. You have your own practice in Dallas, Texas, um, but you work with clients all over, it sounds like. Um, But I'm really interested in talking to you both today because relationships are a big part of, you know, what add or sometimes take away from our happiness, right? Like that's a big part of our life, our happiness. This is a big part of what you do. So tell me a little bit more about your practice and your work
1: explain our practice?
2: Sure, so we have um, started our practice in 2019. It was really a God-given idea. Um, The Lord definitely led us to work with couples and marriages to help um, restore relationships and families, because again, relationships or um, marriages are the heartbeat of the family. And so we provide couples and marriage therapy together. We've been doing that for over 10 years at this point. Um, We've been married ourselves for 12 years and we absolutely enjoy providing couples with strategies on how to communicate effectively, how to work through um, difficult times such as infidelity, um, just feelings of loneliness and just having difficulty navigating life because of all that life brings to our lives sometimes. So um, we do that on a daily basis together as a husband and wife team, and we absolutely enjoy it. Absolutely.
0: No, I mean, that's great. I Just so many questions come to my mind and thinking about relationships of my friends and colleagues, my own past relationships. I'm like, OK, you guys <laughs> are married, <laughs> live together, work together, and then also counsel together.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: You have to really like each other a lot to do
1: that. Absolutely. <laughs> we, do. we love each other.
0: <laughs> you love each other, but then you also really like each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you make that work, all of that togetherness?
1: I think it, it really starts with, um, again, your love for one another and your desire to improve um, your own relationship, right, and impact one another in a positive way. So for me, it's easy because, this is my better half. And so when I'm with her, I'm better. And so it helps me to understand the work that we do, understand my uh, role and responsibility as a husband better, as well as a father. Um, So without her next to me, I feel like some of those areas won't be as defined as they are right now. So I need her um, right there to be able to support me in that way. And it just makes it easier for our work to be done because we have a shared vision too and we know we want to accomplish, we know what the purpose is, and that helps to drive the work that we do daily.
0: How did you two meet? Um, were you both in this profession and in this field? Did you know that this was gonna evolve with you two working together and building this business and life together? Like walk me through how this all happened.
2: Okay. So we met through a mutual friend and um, we knew we were both social workers and I also, I in, individually had a dream and a goal to have a private practice. Um, didn't really know how that would work or when that would work out. But um, as we grew together in our relationship and we decided to do life together, um, it just became more apparent of what God's purpose was for our life together. And so um, we really couldn't do it without each other because our motto for couples and marriage therapy is to do it together. We truly believe in a couple being able to share life experiences and share um, our understanding of what marriage and relationship looks like to help couples navigate through their own experiences, because we've had our share of experiences as well. So we don't come to our couples with, you know, all the answers and like, we know it all. We've never been through anything. We're just giving you what the textbook has explained to us, but we also share our life experiences and how we've overcome Mm -hmm. and how we've grown together to be more of a cohesive unit and to grow in our love for one another.
1: The work that we did prior to was very grassroots and community-based. My wife did some work in therapeutic foster care. Early on, I've worked um, in youth development. We both worked in youth development, residential care, uh, foster care, things of that nature, the school systems. And so working with families and just loving people was natural for us. We've learned at a very early age that people just kind of gravitated to us and um, sought counsel from us early on. A light bulb kind of came on. One night we were um, having some pillow talk and she expressed her vision of a private practice. And then we began to talk further about connecting with the the city that we were currently in and, and developing contracts to partner with cities to provide counseling to uh, impoverished areas and at-risk youth and families. And then next thing, you know, we said, Hey, we can branch out and do this on our own. And that's exactly what we did.
0: Awesome. So going back even a little bit further than let's say before you both met, because it sounds like you were both working in the field, um, in social work prior to meeting each other. So Isaac, I'll ask you first, what was it about pursuing this career path that really drew you?
1: Uh, Again, I think it's the love for people. Um, People used to always tell me, well, my professors and teachers, when I shared with them what I wanted to do, they would say, you know, your heart has to be bigger than your wallet in order to enter into that field. And um, once I understood that my calling was to work with people and to really empower men in particular, um, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, And so I knew at a very early age, I think I was a sophomore in high school, about 15 or 16, when I knew that this was something that I wanted to take serious, as well as make a career out of, and more importantly, develop into a ministry.
0: And Shamika, I want to ask you the same thing, but uh, before I forget, I want to ask you, Isaac, you mentioned uh, particularly working with men. Why was that so important to you?
1: Um, Because I grew up in a single parent home, and my father was there, but he wasn't there. And I began to understand that as I became a man myself, that so many missing pieces and so many gaps um, in my life that wasn't fulfilled based on my father not being present. And so I knew that there was a lot of broken men out there. And when you look at the black community in particular, um, I think that the statistic is 80% of African-American homes are, are led by, by women. Um, And I wanted to make a difference and really empower, yes. I
0: did not know that.
1: Yes. And really empower um, men to take their rightful place, be the father that they were um, designed to be and support their children and support their family and build stronger community through that. So that's what really drove me to focus on men in particular.
0: Mm. And Shabika, what about you? What was it about this career path that really, um, you know, drew you in?
2: So initially I just wanted to work with children. And my only idea of that was to be a pediatrician. So I went to school um, in my undergrad for a biology degree and actually graduated with that. But it was in my senior year that I realized that it wasn't, biology wasn't it or pediatrics wasn't it for me. There was something deeper. And it was, I wanted to help children emotionally. And so um, that's how I got into social work. And I started off working with at-risk youth as well and working with children in the foster care system and helping to reunite families. That was my passion. And even thinking a little bit further back, it probably came from just my experience with a broken family and knowing what that does to a child with lack of identity and purpose and just having difficulty navigating um, intimate relationships at a young age and trusting people and all those sorts of things and so my heart went out to all the other kids that are coming up behind me that are having the same exact experience and not having someone to that looks like them to help them navigate those um, circumstances, so that is where my passion grew from. And as we um, grew into a private practice, what we are learning is that even our experience of having um, single parents and um, growing up in that way is our way of um, God allowing us to break that curse in our in our lives, our family's lives going forward, but also to help. Um, set others free from being in those same situations as well and not having to um, continue in that same type of life journey that we had and help restore marriages and families. So Shamika,
0: you mentioned uh, a broken household. Were you also raised primarily by your mother?
2: Yes, I was absolutely. It was just me and my mom at home. My dad actually had a whole nother family. Somewhere else, and so that um, played a, a significant role in my life growing up, just not knowing where I belonged. And so, after being healed from that myself and going through um, therapy and just working through those things and becoming a whole woman, um, I feel like it's my role and responsibility to be able to share that with other women as well.
0: There's so much I wanna I wanna dive into because I like what you mentioned about um, you know being um, you know, an example. And because I'm sure there's not a lot of black counselors or black married couples counselors, right, that look like you. And uh, to be able to find that and see, you know, myself and you as well is just something that's very um, comforting. Something else you mentioned is those experiences from childhood and you both coming or or growing up in primarily single parent homes. I feel like I see a lot of this now online, like the about trauma, about the inner child, um, and I guess I, I'm starting to read more about what that means. I don't know if that's something that you can speak to, or really how our childhood experiences, or like the household and those like relationships with our parents, affect, I guess, our relationships in adulthood. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Absolutely, I, I'll um, I'll say a couple of things, and I'll allow my wife to talk more so about the the trauma, um, the impact of trauma, uh, and how it impacts your your current relationships. But I'll go back to the men's side of things, or the, the, yeah, the men's side of things, and discuss the three stages that I walk men through, uh, which is uh, malehood, boyhood, and manhood. All three are distinctly different from one another, and what we find is with malehood, you know, you born with male parts, so you're considered a male. But then there's also um, the boyhood phase where you're kind of immature and you're learning how to navigate this world. But you also need a man present to help you while you're in that boy state so that you can buffer up against someone who's living that actual life and can guide you through some of the barriers and circumstances that may arise from boyhood to manhood. And what happens is a lot of men, um, they mistake uh, their age with the stage. So because you are an adult, so to speak, right? Doesn't make you a man. And so we we see a lot of men stuck in the boyhood phase as a grown man. And oh, then- that's
0: we- what it is. <laughs> Got it.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what it is.
2: <laughs> Got it.
1: <laughs> so we talk about responsibility and accountability uh, and vulnerability. A lot with men those three things and a lot of men don't know how to be vulnerable and they're not accountable nor responsible right which are all uh qualities of my seven-year-old son Mm. Um, and he's supposed to be in that age and stage right now as a seven-year-old right even though i'm teaching him responsibility and to be accountable for his actions i understand when he falters and there's grace that's extended there when he's this age when you become 27 society doesn't extend the same grace as a father would to a seven-year-old son. And so helping the, the men to differentiate between malehood, boyhood, and manhood is is a, is a significant part of my work when trying to develop the whole man and not necessarily focusing on that inner child.
0: Is the lack of vulnerability that I think, um, you know, we've seen a lot of adult men, just, is that cultural? Is that society that kind of says hey don't be vulnerable like where do you think that comes from
1: i think it kind of comes from both Um, and i'll speak from the societal standpoint first Uh, i call it the three s's Uh, society tells men they need to be strong stoic and silent and when you have those three s's and men kind of acting in that way what you find is a lack of vulnerability and suppressed emotion which we see transpire in other ways, right? Um, anger and aggression is probably one of the primary ways you see men express themselves these days because society tells them that they have to be. But when you, vulnerability really goes back to the love that you receive from um, from your caregivers, right? So that's why it's important to grow up in a, in, in a mother in a two-parent two home because there's balance there.
2: Our identity begins with our father, right? And mm-hmm. so oftentimes when, the father is not present boys and girls grow up not knowing who we are and so we try to find that in other ways we try to find that in friendships and so that's how you get um you know kids involved in gangs and getting into relationships that are not healthy and moving forward in that because they're just trying to find themselves trying to find a place that is safe trying to find a place where they feel comfortable and accepted so um when it comes to the inner child and childhood trauma it shapes our lives and if we don't deal with it we just go through life continuing the same cycle and repeating the same um issues, if you will, going forward into, from relationship to relationship. And then we, if we don't stop and pay attention, we find ourselves unhappy, lonely, or feeling as though we should be further along than we are when we're in our 30s and so on. And so um, it's really important to stop and pay attention to what's happening and to address it, talk about it develop some skills to help you navigate those areas have forgiveness that's a really big part as well as to forgive your parents because they only gave you what they had to give because we don't do all this work for ourselves it's really for our children and our children's children going forward
0: do you think everyone needs some healing to some degree
2: absolutely really
0: <laughs> okay Explain absolutely. This. Okay, please explain further. That was like a very easy
2: yes for you both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say yes, because oftentimes, um, especially as therapists, people come to us thinking we have all the answers and like, put us on a pedestal, like you must know it all or you got the answers or you haven't had experiences, like you have it together. And I'm like, no, I did the work. And that's why I'm able to now help you do the work. So even as therapists, we have to do the work. And um, I will say specifically for us uh, minorities, right? Um, This whole thing of identity and lack of identity just stems from even back to slavery, Mm -hmm. right? So when um, children and families were broken apart because of, you know, the father had to go to a different slave master's house or, you know, or he sent the mom and the children to go to, you know, for freedom or so and so on. And he had to stay back to protect, make sure that, you know, someone didn't come looking for them or go after them. And so families were broken apart from that stage going forward. And so typically all we know is that survival. That's all we know, and that cycle has repeated over and over and over again. Everybody has some level of trauma that needs to be dealt with. So even if you do have two parents in the household, sometimes there's disagreements about finances or how we raise the children, or you know, not being able to communicate effectively. So not everyone's yelling, and there's tension in the home, and the kids are anxious and they don't know if mommy and daddy are going to stay together because they're always arguing. So there's so many different things that could happen. And I truly believe every person has experienced some level of trauma that needs to be dealt with.
0: So at what point and Shamika, I'll start with you. At what point did each of you realize that that applied to you as well? And what were the steps that you started taking in your own life to heal yourself?
1: That's really good. She said you first. Okay, so I'm
2: ready. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So I thank you for asking that question because I vividly remember that moment. So I remember um, myself as, again, raised by a single mom um, and just trying to find myself. I had many broken relationships. I mean, I was just attracted to the wrong men, And so I remember... Um, early 20s I remember that I got to this place where I decided I wasn't doing this again I've had enough of this something has to change and so I decided I'm not dating anyone else I'm just going to work on me it was just a decision like I don't want to continue to repeat this same cycle and so I personally went on a spiritual journey and I connected to God in a way that I had never connected before and what and through that time what I've learned is that Only God can fulfill the holes that were in my life from my father being missing. There was no man, there was no boy at that time who could fulfill that need that I had to have identity and to feel love and secure. And only God could do that for me as a single woman. And so when I surrendered to that and grew in that relationship, I was able to see life a little bit more differently. And so at that point, I created um items or um a list of what i was looking for going forward what did i want my life to look like going forward and i journaled and i i 100 agree that everyone should journal as well because i can go back now and see everything that i wrote down that i wanted for my life has come to pass including private practice uh, amazing husband two children, not just two, but a boy and a girl, everything that I wanted, I have to this day because I took time to pause and do the self work to grow in who I was and to plan for my future. And so in addition to that, therapy was a part of that journey. And even now I still go to therapy because there's things in life that we need someone else to help us navigate and we can't feel as though we can do it on our own. Like we are taught to through society. You have to be this strong black woman. You have to, you know, take care of your business by yourself, or, you know, if you ask for help, that's weakness, that's just a false reality. And so we set ourselves up for failure if we go in that way.
1: Um, And for me, uh, it was, I was looking for a model. Um, Since I didn't have one at home, I was looking for a model to, to show me what a man is supposed to be and look like and act like and and what to wear and what education to have and what job and all of those things. And I've been blessed to have several mentors uh, throughout my lifetime, but it was one in particular that I kind of drew very close to at the age of 13. He uh, was in my neighborhood passing out flyers for a after-school program that he, him and a couple of other people were getting ready to start once the school year uh, came up. So this was like late summer. And my friend and I happened to be going to the corner store and came across uh, my mentor, along with his colleagues, passing out these flyers. And so he gave myself and my friend a flyer as we went into the corner store. We looked over it. We were excited about uh, what was happening because the community center was right up the street from our house. And so lo and behold, we went to the after school program, and that was kind of the day in which I I seen uh, a man that I wanted to um, be like, a black man, a professional black man who had a degree, had degrees several, and um, worked in the community with you know disenfranchised uh, youth and at-risk youth in the community. And so from that point on, him and I developed a really good relationship and he mentored me through high school, um, undergrad, as well as grad school. I remember when I got to, uh, to graduate school, I was about two weeks into my master's program and I called him and I said, Hey, Rod, this, I don't know about this, man. This is not going to work. Once I received the, uh, the syllabus that had all the assignments, all the books I had to <laughs> read, I called him and said, man, I don't know if I could do this. And he kind of coached me through. He said, you have to, he said, because if you don't, the same person that I was for you, you're going to be for somebody else. And if you drop out and you don't complete this degree, how are they going to look to you um, for that guidance and support the same way you did for me? And I said, all right, I understand where you're going with this and finished my degree. But I think it was when I found a model of someone that I thought was um, substantial in the community and a a real man who can provide the the guidance and light the path and and pass the torch for someone else.
0: I love that. Um, And I'm sure also, you know, pursuing this career path as well and you know going through school and the coursework that you had made you exposed you as well to so many different ways of thinking and knowing and personal development um that you know those of us who haven't pursued this maybe would not be exposed to Mm -hmm. um do you think there or i guess what do you think the status is of the stigma um of talking to someone or you know you guys just saying very like with a very quick yes that everybody needs some sort of healing well if you ask everybody if they have seen a therapist or spoken to a therapist or make that part of their health and well-being everyone will not say yes so what do you think the status of like this acceptance of knowing that hey like growing and working on myself is a continual thing and there's nothing wrong with this.
1: Um, I think we're coming to a place where it's starting to become more acceptable. (laughs) Uh, We see on a daily basis, we get referrals constantly. Uh, We've had several consultations even this morning for for African-American people to step up and say, you know what, regardless of what the stigma is and when people said, this is, you know, I'm not crazy. This is something that I need to do for me and for my family to become the best version of myself uh, for my family and for myself. So I'm going to seek counseling. Uh, so I believe that that stigma is being being torn down. And I think we're stepping away from the post-traumatic slave syndrome uh, into a more modernized, um, I mean, cause this is a, it's accessible. Uh, you're starting to see more of us in the field uh, providing therapy. And I think once you see more of us, it's kind of like a green light to to move forward.
2: So there are a lot of um, Black people who are now becoming more transparent about their own struggles and um, how they've overcome or how they are overcoming mm-hmm. their um, tough times. I know Taraji P. Henson, she's a very, very big proponent of mental health. And she really has done an amazing job during this COVID season with shedding light on this is something that i want to provide access to for um, others that look like me and i have the opportunity and resources to do that so i'll tell people in a minute like i go to therapy and this is why and this is how it helps me and so being transparent and being open with your story i feel as though that helps others feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. and realize that you know, maybe I should look into this. Maybe I should try it. And we provide free consultations. So it won't cost you anything just to see if maybe this will work for you. Mm -hmm. So I think that is going definitely going in the right direction. And I love that
0: you said that as far as being transparent and openly sharing your story, uh, because I was actually really surprised at how, you know, easily, like openly you both shared about your, your childhood and Growing up, but you know, I I go to a therapist and I'm always, like, wanting to ask him questions. I'm like, but what about you? What if, like, when something like this happened to you, what did you do? (laughs) Like, I want to know more personally because I feel like it's always, like, you know, it's a conversation that's so focused on, you know, the person. So I I really appreciate you both um, sharing your personal stories and being so open about that. Lastly, I always like to ask um, my guests a health tip, Um, something that, you know, and I know something you mentioned earlier, Shamika, is is journaling. But if there's whether it's that or something else that you recommend that maybe people can implement in your their lives that you feel like is just, you know, a positive thing um, that they can an actionable thing that they can kind of take away and do. What would you say that would be?
2: I would just say self-care as as a whole. Um, oftentimes we're so busy taking care of kids, you know, working, trying to make a living, um, and all those types of things, but we really have to take care of ourselves, um, mind, body, and spirit. And so I really believe it starts there. Um, definitely having a morning routine that, um, helps in all those areas, right? So your spiritual, spiritual routine, praying, meditation, um, on God's word, um, things of that nature, eating healthy, exercising, and um, journaling is a good place to start when it comes to your mental health, for sure. It helps to release some of those thoughts and feelings that you may be having that is causing some buildup or pressure. Mm -hmm. So that's a good place to start. Um, And I absolutely recommend therapy. Um, again, that is something that is invaluable. Sometimes we say we don't, we don't have the money for it, or we can't afford it, but really it's about priority, right? And so if you're prioritizing your self-care, therapy is a- absolutely one um, very important part of self-care.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would, I would just say um, quiet time, taking uh, some time throughout each day to just reflect, no background noise, no cell phones, buzzing, no TV, um, any of those things, just getting away with yourself and even not even with your thoughts, right? As my wife was mentioning with journaling, quiet times work works best after journaling, after you have drained those thoughts that have been cycling in your mind for some time, release those things on paper, and then spend some quiet time to regroup. So I would say even as little as 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes of quiet time a day um, will be very beneficial for your mental health.
0: Absolutely, you know, I like I like that tip and it's something I feel like even me personally has had to to work on and um, even so much. I, I think it's really important for entrepreneurs as well. I feel like I was always that person, even like I would hop up and it could be six in the morning and start right away to the work and you know it's taken me really getting to that point of burnout to realize wait hold on i need to take that space before i just start diving into to work and serving everybody else before i just start my day to actually like take that space and that time for myself whatever it is if it's you know a meal or exercise and journaling meditation and all of that like just don't start and jump right into to the day, especially for us entrepreneurs, who it's like the work can become all-consuming.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, especially for us as entrepreneurs, we have the flexibility to uh, create that schedule, right? The flexibility right. as well as the freedom. And sometimes, if you have just, I just recently um, transitioned from employee to full-time entrepreneur, and my my wife had to uh, remind me when we were uh, setting our schedule, and she's like, you know, what days do you want to work what hours you want to work. Right. And I'm so used to working an eight to 10 hour day that I said, okay, I want to work this day, Monday from 11 to seven. And just like, eight hours. You really want to work that, that long? Why? Right. <laughs> and so, so my mindset was you got to put in 40 hours because I was so conditioned as an employee but as an entrepreneur, yes, the work can be all-consuming, but you can also have the freedom to turn it off, step away, and then come back without the demands of the organization telling you this is what needs to be done at this time. And if you don't do it, then there's consequences for you being, you know, not meeting the deadline. Um, of course, you want your business to run efficiently, so you want to meet certain deadlines for your business, but you can also take that time to step away and say, hey, what about me? you know, I am a business. I am the business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that you're, you're prioritizing yourself over the business so that the business can receive all that you have to, to give once you're replenished.
0: Absolutely. Right. You can't give to everybody else if you're not giving to yourself.
1: Very true. Very true. So,
0: and well, tell everyone how they can find you, connect with you, learn more about you, social media, the website, all that good stuff
2: all right absolutely so our website is collinsclinicalservices.com and on there you can schedule a free consultation for services we also have some have some resources on our website for those who visit we are on instagram counseling with the collins on instagram and we also have a facebook group collins collins clinical services so you can follow us on all those social media um, platforms
0: Awesome, yeah, this was a really, really great conversation. I'll make sure to add all of those links below in the show notes so everyone can find them easily and connect with you.
1: Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much Thank We you so appreciate much for your it.
0: time today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Isaac and Jamika Collins just as much as I did. I feel like I gained some insight into things that I've been wondering myself when it comes to mental health and really just understanding that it can benefit any and every one. So I really love that conversation. Make sure you go below and find their information below in the show notes, connect with them, learn more about what they do. And hey, while you're at it, make sure you're connected with me. If you aren't already, I do not know why I'm all the places, but I'd really love for you to subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to stay connected with you. And until I see you back next week, because we know you're going to find out about it since we're connected. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy.